Hello, and welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique, a chiropractic technique based on movement and breathing. Well, we're going to do a little short podcast today because it hit me over the head um, interacting with some friends and patients and neighbors that there are a lot of self-limiting beliefs out there. And we're just not talking about the pandemic and how everyone's head screwed up over it. There's what I think one research article said that now that we have about 90% um, those tested who have stayed home have symptoms of PTSD. That's a whole nation of PTSD. But I'll do probably two or three podcasts um, behind that. But what I want to talk about is self-limiting behaviors where you lose your self-worth or self-value. And a lot of that has to do with your teachers, preachers, and your family, your friends, your siblings, how you were brought up. And I'm not talking about becoming egotistical. I'm talking, you know, not selfish, not self-centered. I'm going to say self-fulfilling, fulfilling. fulfilling. What's that, Fred? Um, That basically means you have an inherent understanding of your own worth an inherent understanding of your own worth. And again, I'm not talking about egotistical. If you think you can bench press 500 pounds, you only can bench press 200, and you try to put 500 pounds on there, you're going to get cut in half and die. I'm not talking about, you know, walking around like you're the king of the house and you're not helping out your partner with dishes. Or the queen of the house and you're constantly nagging your partner about things when that person's bringing 100% of the income home. I'm not talking about stupid interactions that we see in relationships that devalue the relationship. That'll be a whole different podcast. What I'm talking about is the excuses I hear from people. And if they were taking a lie detector test, they would really believe these excuses. Let me give you an example. Say you want to go to college, you want to change your career, you want to become state, regional, or national champion at whatever, Um, you want a better relationship, Um, you want whatever you want for success in your life, whatever object it is or behavior, you know, I want to stop smoking, I want to lose weight, whatever it is. And I always hear these excuses, but those excuses come from a lack of self-worth and self-confidence. And let me start off first. If you're having depression, anxiety, go see somebody. Go see a psychiatrist. Go see a psychologist. Get a counselor because these are serious things. But here's where the root of it is. Somewhere, sometime in your past, someone pulled the rug out from under your self-confidence and self-worth and devalued you. Now, sometimes it's, the own, it's yourself, your person, yourself. You do things that devalue you, self-defeating behaviors. If you're smoking, drinking, cheating on tests in school, not studying, not doing homework, you know, not taking care of yourself, eating Twinkies, that's self-defeating behavior. Now, sometimes people do that and they were told they had no value. They were devalued by other people. But I want to I go through some of these, you know, just some bullet points on how people take away their own self-value. 
Many times people lose themselves in romantic relationships and they get their identity through the relationship and that should never happen. Two people should be independent, have their own hobbies. You can have some crossover, but have their own background, have their own experiences. You know, you certainly can work together. Me and my wife work together a little bit, a couple of days a week um, for a few hours. Um, but that's not what she has. She's a midwife doing midwife things. I'm a chiropractor doing chiropractic things. I don't try to coach her because that gets us too close. I cheer for her. I'm my biggest fan or biggest spotter. Um, if, I, if we were stuck at a powerlifting meet and it was just us, yes, of course I would coach her. But that's not, not the hat I want to wear. Um, we just want to make sure that we're, we, we do not get our identities from each other, that we bring two separate identities together. And that third identity, our relationship, is super strong. It's awesome. So, that, you know, that's something to think about. But there's a lot of people out there that, you know, I tell them, you know, you need to learn a new language, you need to do this, that, and they have an excuse. Here's one of them. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Now, let's be quite honest. Um, at one time, we had five kids at home. We, I was working probably every other weekend um, teaching. So my weekends were full teaching seven day, you know a seven day work week and you know working at the office I don't have time well you have to carve it out because if you can go to the bathroom and wipe your butt or brush your teeth or take a shower you certainly could work in time if you can put in an extra half hour of overtime then you can put a half hour into exercise now, what we do in my, in my relationship is I, we actually take like Thursdays off. We, we schedule it. Thursdays off and at least half that day we spend with the family or whatever kids are available so we can connect with them. That is family time. And nobody touches it unless there's a dire emergency. Why is that important? Because if you say you don't have time, I just laugh because you're not busy enough. People that are super busy make time even for more on their plate. I'm not saying you're lazy, but you have problems with efficiency. You have, you have, construct, have the social cultural construct of, you know, you have no clue what things take. You don't watch your watch. I remember talking to, uh, you know, one of our girls and we we're talking about an upcoming uh, college um, meeting we're going to have here in a couple weeks and i said well you know if we go up there's a two-hour drive we got we got to make time for breakfast well then we have to leave you know 60 90 you know two hours early and i'm like who takes two hours to eat i can see you you take 12 minutes to eat you know and again that was just coming out of you know uh, anxiety um not you know just a delusion of what was going on you know, and it's like, no, you should start tracking things like how long does it take you to eat? If you don't know how long it takes you to eat lunch, dinner, are you even paying attention to what's going on around you? If you're not paying attention to how fast you can get through the gym and do a whole body workout, which should be under 30 minutes, especially with machines nowadays, I'm not talking about powerlifting, I'm just talking about trying to do something. You got to be kidding me. So when people say, I don't have the time they, they obviously don't have a clue. Now, I'm not saying I don't have empathy for what they're saying. But when I was 18, 19, 20, I had two jobs. 
working my way through college, full college schedule, and still was training, working out, and making my own meals, prepping my meals, and keeping a clean house, doing all my homework. And guess what? I had, I think I had one or two girlfriends, you know, I, and I also was trained, had did some personal training on the side for extra money. You can make the time. Well, Fred, when did you sleep? When I had to. Absolutely. There's plenty of time to sleep. Now, here's the thing. It's going to blow your mind. There was about a year or two there during that busy time in my college career. I did not watch TV. Didn't have time for it. I listened to music in the background. And, of course, you know, all the radio stations give you the news. So I got news and weather. I didn't have a fancy smartphone. They didn't have them then. But you can make time. Part of what I see in America, in the neighborhood, with my patients, with friends all around, is they waste time. They put more value on sitting on their butt watching Netflix than they do being successful. So again, have some value for yourself. Have some appreciation. Make the time. And if you don't know how, take take a, a, a time management course. They're online. You can watch a YouTube video. There's books. Make a time management. The next one is I can't. If you say, hey, learn a new language, go become state champion, people say, I can't. I can't do it. Well, who told you you can't? Who's blocked your goals? See, that comes from, you know, poor parenting. Someone in your past told you you couldn't do that. And I hate to point out some of my own, my own past, but, you know, it's probably a little more heartfelt and probably a little more genuine and honest if I do. I was told that I could never be a doctor. Now, I'm sure my parents, God rest their soul, had no idea what they were saying. They didn't because they didn't have anyone who did that. They didn't know I could take out loans. They didn't know I had good enough grades. And they didn't know my work ethic. They, they had no concept of it. But guess what? I did. I wanted to be a chiropractor and pulled up my bootstraps, moved out here not knowing anyone, and did it. Um, I was a power lifter. And I started working out. And this is a thing of perspective at age 13 or 14 with men. Now, they didn't know how old I was initially. And I just thought I was weak until, you know, age 16, 17, I was beating them because I didn't have that perspective of, I can't, I can't lift all those weights these men do. I thought I was just weak and I should. My answer is I should be able to do this with enough time and discipline. I should be able to do this with enough time and discipline. And I kept that in my head. I should be able to do this with enough time and discipline. And that's what happened. I also hear the excuse, I can't because I am not smart. I am not strong. I am not healthy. I am not rich. I hear those excuses too. It goes along with, I can't, that excuse. Well, guess what? I can't tell you how many people I know who come from busted homes, come from the hood. You know, they grew up on welfare, poor, and they made it. How? Because with enough time and discipline and focus, you can do anything. And that's been proven over and over again. Again, someone told you and labeled you as dumb, not smart, I can't do it. Sometimes it's yourself. You know, I'm a high school dropout. Again, I'll share a personal story. My wife had to get a GED. She dropped out of school at age, what, 15, 16, whenever you can drop out, I think 16. 
um, she dropped out of school. Years later, decades later, she meets me. She's talking about she wants to become a doula. And I say, well, that's about three months of school. But, you know, in Minnesota and Wisconsin, you know, they, they have licensing of traditional direct entry midwives. There's a program in Wisconsin at a college there, state college, so you can get the state, um, you know, loans and scholarships. It's not private, so you can get, you can, you can tap into all the state stuff and national stuff. You know, you know, scholarships, Pell Grants and all that things, all the federal programs to help people go to school and all the state programs to help people to school. You can do it. Well, you know, I've never went to college. I had to get GED. And I heard the excuse. I said, um, you've run a business. You've run a household, including a household with a disabled kid. You're smart. You started a swim team. And, you know, you got this small gym I'm sorry, you'll be able to do this. You have the discipline for it. Guess what? I said, just take one or two classes. She took one or two classes, got A's. She got into the program. She just is working on her last piece of paper right now, her last uh, paper for the class. She's got straight A's. She's honors. She's going to have all these honors cords on her gown in, in May next month. So these things are possible. You don't know what you cannot do until you give it a good try. I don't, I don't mean a half-ass try. I mean a complete try. So whoever labeled you in the past, that was their self-projection of their worldview onto you. Again, most people don't know, mu you know much about me. Where Dr. Clary came from. Where? What's Fred all about? And if you had a few hours, I could tell you where I come from, my past, or whatever. But, you know, they see some big burly guy, and like, oh, he's a big meathead. Well, they don't know. I test out at Mensa level. And it's like, you know, smart. And they also don't know that, you know, when I was a single dad, I was a fa I'm a fantastic father, fantastic stepfather. I work hard at doing it. I'm, I'm very caring and very emotional and very nurturing. All those things come from who I am. But if someone's just on first impressions looks at me and puts a label on me, that's their self-projection. The problem is, is when you believe the labels of someone else, and if they're a powerful figure in your life, like your parents, teachers, or coach, and they put a label on you, that could doom you for years and years and years until you pull yourself by bootstraps, shake it off and realize, no way, I'm not this person, I'm not that person, I don't care what they think, they're wrong, okay? So just, just think about that, what labels you have on you. Again, like, I'm not good enough, you know? That's a big one, you know? I'm not good enough to be varsity volleyball. I'm not good enough to get straight A's. I'm, those are all labels that someone put on you. And again, you may have some experiences in life that prove it. You know, divorces, um, bankruptcies, problems with business partners. Well, did you ever think you were with the wrong people? Did you ever think of that? You ever get caught in a traffic jam? You don't consider yourself a bad driver because of what someone else did, like an accident a mile down the road. That's not your fault. But again, you're stuck in the consequences of someone else's actions. But why would you take that blame and shame? We do. A lot of times we do. I'm not good enough because, you know, I didn't get an A in math. <clears throat> it's not your fault. 
Your parents didn't sit down with you when you were 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 at the dining room table and help you through with math. It's not your fault that you didn't get a tutor. Your parents or whoever's raising you should have helped you with that. It's not your fault that your parents didn't say, hey, you need to do another hour of math tonight and force you to get good. So again, that's a label you may put on yourself or someone else did. You can break that apart. We all have the same abilities. We all have similar DNA. Now, what makes us unique is those different abilities, different behaviors, different looks. But when we come out of the chute, when we start off life, when we come out of the womb, we all have the same potential. Sorry, it just is. Now, there's genetic changes and modifications, I know. But you may have to work harder at math. I'm one of those. Here's newsflash. Fred failed a college class. Yes, pre-calculus. Now, I do test very high and many other things, and I can do math in my head. But I had trouble with the professor. It just didn't work out right. And I said, screw it. My choice didn't do the homework and failed it. Then I had to take it in summer class and, of course, did very well. But what I'm saying to you is that, you know, you could still be a failure. I never thought I was a failure. What I did is learn how to do it slower. I take my time. And I had a legal pad. And I would handwrite every step. I wouldn't skip steps. Handwrite every step. Usually when I take any type of exam, I'm the first one turning it in. Except for math. I'm usually the last one. I will use up until they say, turn in your stuff, time's up. And I'll be there with one or two people. Now, that's the only way I can get an A in math. Only because, you know, it's some concepts that, you know, are, are a little abstract for me. So, when you know, I don't say I'm not good enough at math. When I go to a powerlifting meet, I calculate kilos and pounds back and forth in my head. I can calculate the uh, pound-for-pound ratio and the Glossbrenner formula. That's a formula to determine who's the best lifter due to body weight. All in my head. Now, that's not the same thing as, you know, reducing polynomials. But, again, I have to do things slower. So I found the way around it for me. Some of you might be biology. Some of you may be history. Some of you may be social studies. Whatever that takes for you, you have to slow down. Your brain can't accept the information. You just may have to go at a different pace and do it a different way. You are good enough. You are good enough if you're an athlete. It may be that you have to eat a cleaner diet than your teammate. It may be that you have to put in the extra work, maybe a half an hour more at home. Or you say, Mom and Dad, can I join a gym? And you go to a gym, so you have to do not only doing the weight room at school, but you're doing some weights and running on the track, you know, on your own. Maybe if you're a swimmer, not only are you swimming five days a week, but you pick a day on the weekend to work on stroke and technique. You may have to do that to be better than the other ones. I will take someone with mediocre God-given gifts and skills, but with supreme discipline and supreme effort and focus over someone who's got all the God-given gifts, all the God-given skills, is a genetic marvel, but is lazy. We see it all the time in sports. Those that work the hardest can sometimes beat those that have all the gifts on a good day. And that's what I go for. So something to think about.
Here's another thing people talk about. They say, I'll be judged. I'm going to be judged if I try to do this, if I fail. I'm going to be judged if I do good. Who wants to be rich? Who wants to be small? Those rich people have their, you know, the egotistical and they put their nose up at people. That's the most ridiculous thing I heard. Yes. Every time you go to a garden, you're going to find some weeds. And you find some weeds with the redneck bubbas. And you find some weeds with the social elitists with their nose upturned. You'll find, you'll find idiots everywhere. You'll find weeds in your garden everywhere. It's just not, you know, these judgy people. It's just not um, a monopoly of the right, the left, Democrats, Republicans, independents. It's human nature. You're always going to find some weeds. What you have to do is realize they're weeds. People will judge you, and that's okay. We're always being judged. Now, here's the thing. If you get in a crowd where people judge you for trying to better yourself, get a new crowd, get a new peer group, get a new social group. Because you want people that push you. Say, go for it. Go for school. Oh, you do that. How did that go? Did you get into the college of your choice? Did you do those things? You have to be, get people around you that make you a better person and make you feel good about yourself. Now, I want to put an asterisk here. You don't want yes men and women. You don't want people that asterisks agree with everything that you say. Oh, it's okay. You don't have to go to the gym. Those people are toxic in your life. They're no better than those saying, hey, let's go snort cocaine. Let's skip school. Let's do this sin. Let's do this crime. They're no different. Well, Fred, telling someone to sit on their butt and it's okay to be lazy is not a crime. It is. It's the worst crime in humanity because you've just took away that person's um, chance at self-esteem. You've taken away their chance at a good self-confidence. You're destroying them from the inside out. And the problem is you're like a sheep and you're like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. You're, you're, you, look like, you look like a sheep, but you're a wolf. You're destroying them. So next time you want to say something negative to your friend, it's okay to have constructive criticism. But I mean like, oh, you shouldn't try to go to the nationals. Oh, you shouldn't try to do that. Really? Because you have self-esteem problems, you're going to project them on those. Or you don't want to hang around people that have a bunch of gold medals. I'm proud when I hang out with my friends because a lot of them are better than me. And they have gold medals. They have all the success in their profession. They make more money. They're doing fantastic. I love hanging out with people like that because they're success-orientated. They're fun to be around. They see life differently. They're not scared living in their homes. So, again, think about that. You're going to be judged no matter what. So you might as well become successful. Here's another concept. I am not as good as them. I'm not good enough to go those. Those people had everything. Again, as I talked about earlier in this podcast, you know, you don't have to have all the money, the perfect parenting, the perfect neighborhood, the perfect opportunity, as they say in the word privilege, I definitely did not come from privilege. You know, government cheese tastes terrible. But guess what? You can decide that you don't want to live this way anymore. You can become sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I'm not talking physical. I'm talking emotional, intellectual. 
And nowadays, with the internet and online schools and all the, the power of technology has changed our access to get information, to get training, to get the certificates, diplomas. It's amazing what you can do. There's gyms everywhere so you can get in shape and become who you want. And if you're a volleyball player, you can go on YouTube and there's volleyball tutorials where before you had to go ask the coach to give you 15 minutes after practice. Now you just click and you have tutorials. Are you kidding me? Free. If you're not taking advantage of that with the pandemic, everyone's staying home, we should have so many athletic champions and people speaking different languages here in America and people with different on their way to their two-year, four-year, six-year PhD right now. And what do we have? People that are 20 pounds overweight because of the pandemic, you know, 20-pound gain and those unhealthy and with PTSD and their minds almost destroyed from this. Instead of doing something. Well, Fred, what did you do during the pandemic? I don't know. Me and my wife and my team, we sent six people to the World Powerlifting Championships in Chicago in October, and we came home with eight medals. That's what we did. That's what our focus. We had to, you know, move the equipment out of the gym when the gym closed into a basement. Then we had to move it to another basement. Then we moved it back to the gym. Then they closed the gyms again, and then we moved it back to a basement. Fred, that's a lot of work to become, you know, that's just too much. Yeah, but it was still possible, and we all did it. That's what makes things different. Well, I'm too tired. I don't have the energy. You have the energy. If you have the energy to get up and complain, it takes the same amount of energy to be depressed, to be complain, and to be lazy as it does successful at the level of the brain, neurologically, ATP. It takes the same amount of energy to... It actually takes more energy. It takes more energy to be depressed at the level of the brain, not the body. Of course, if you're laying around, you're not, you're not wasting any muscular energy. But it takes more brain energy, and that's why you feel so tired running these hateful, self-hateful programs of depression and anxiety. It burns up a lot of ATP unconsciously and subconsciously. So why don't you just try to be happy and go for success? Think of ways to become more successful. You'll be amazed at who you can be. And here's, here's another one I hear all the time. You know, I failed before. Um, newsflash, you know, most people have to fail, in, like say a business. Most small businesses fail. It's like 70 to 80% in the first five years. Yeah. But there's still businesses around. What does that mean? That means, like me, I've had a couple failed businesses, that I had to keep going, get up, get up, learn from your mistakes. You will have to fail. You're going to have to fall down eight times and get up nine. And that's how it works. We never look at a toddler who's learning how to walk. Oh, he fell down once or twice. I'm putting him in a stroller. He's never going to learn how to walk. I don't want him to fall. No, you let him fall as much as needed till they get up and they start running. Now, we have that in every, we have that experience in every human being on the face of the earth. Failure is part of success. I remember when um, they were talking about Donald Trump. And that, oh, he's a failed businessman because he, you know, filed bankruptcy this many times and failed this many times. And, of course, those are people that usually are just employees and don't realize that he, be he didn't become a billionaire not getting back up. 
That's not how it works. I mean, people believe people are idiots because they don't do small businesses. They don't. They're not entrepreneurs. You don't realize that usually you have to fall down at least three or four times before you hit it right and you get back up. You learn from those failures. Um, and that's important to understand. And especially with athletics, <clears throat> there was only one perfect team. What was that, the 71 or 72 Dolphins that went 16-0? and 0? There was only one perfect team ever. Now, there was a lot of, you know, one-loss teams, but they lost one game. You're going to lose games. And the idea is you want to just lose enough games that you learn from your mistakes and you get in the playoffs. But for professional sports, there's only been one perfect team. In college, there's a few, but we won't count them. We're talking about professionals. So what's the bottom line? If anyone ever told you, you, you know, don't be too big for your britches, never count your uh, chickens until they're hatched, um, you can never do this, you can never do that, you're not good enough. The bottom line is you are. When you come out of the womb, we all have the same potential. Yes, the genetic differences. And I'll probably do a whole podcast on genetics. But if you p- apply enough discipline and enough technology, you certainly can match those that are gifted. Again, I can match those that are gifted at math if I have enough time and enough paper. <laughs> you know, I can match um, those that are gifted in powerlifting if I eat better and work on my recovery and work on my technique. It's amazing. One thing about lifting, I'll see people that are not as genetically gifted beat those that are because they put more effort, more discipline, more time, more focus into their training. And you can do the same thing too. When it comes to relationships, don't lose your identity in those. If anyone has ever told you, including yourself, that you know, you're nothing without this person or this team or this course or this school, or you know, that, that's incorrect. One door closes, the other door opens. And if you use enough discipline and enough focus and enough technology, guess what? You can have the relationship of your dreams. You can have the business, the academic life of your dreams. You have to be able to sit back and plan it. And if you don't plan, you plan to fail. So get up, get off the couch, cut the cord to cable and Netflix because you're going to be too busy being successful to keep up. And it's okay to have some downtime. But you know what? Earn the downtime. Don't give yourself the downtime. Don't hang out with the mediocre masses. Become the elite few. Get on top of that mountain. The cool thing is when you're on top of that mountain, you have the best view ever. And this has been another Fact Podcast. <laughs>